reading from the fourth chapter of the Gospel according to John, beginning with the fifth verse. So Jesus came to a Samaritan city called Sychar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to drink water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flocks drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying, I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship the Father neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such as these to worship Him. God is spirit, and those who worship Him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Him, I know that Messiah is coming, who is called Christ. When He comes, He will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I am He, the One who is speaking to you. Just then His disciples came. They were astonished that He was speaking with a woman. But no one said, What do you want, or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, Come and see a man who told me everything I have ever done. He cannot be the Messiah, can he? They left the city and were on their way to him. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of Him who sent me and to complete His work. Do you not say four months more and the harvest comes? 
But I tell you, look around you and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in him because of the woman's testimony. She told me everything I have ever done. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, It is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I have some good news here for you. I'm going to get my little iPad out that has the few little notes I jotted down to kind of keep me on a leash because I'm running out of time and we have a little bit of work to do after the sermon. So, don't brace yourselves for being here a whole lot longer. Is that the good news? (laughs) Just in case you were nervous about it. But here are some things we want to know about this woman. Number one, Jesus did not come down on her for her sin. Did you notice that? He didn't put the fist down on her. He didn't make her feel bad about herself. He didn't come and say, you're a sorry person, you need to repent and get things right. So for all we know, her five divorces might not have been her fault. Somebody could have died, right? But what do we always go to? We always assume that she couldn't keep a husband happy, so they walked her out in the street, as was custom in that day, and say, I divorce you, I divorce you, I divorce you, and everything was done. And that's the stigma we bring on to people, right? We treat them like nobodies because they ain't got nobody. That's what we do in our society. Everything is about somebody finding that perfect mate that God has for them, right? Christian Mingle, Match.com, all that silliness. For some people, singleness is a calling and a blessed and a holy calling. The church used to teach that until we started making money on matchmaking services about 2000. A nobody. So there's this joke I read that a man decided to have weird named children. He named the first one nobody. He named the first one somebody. And he named his last child crazy. Now, Crazy was the only girl in the bunch. And her older brothers were pieces of work. And one day in their teenage years, they were out in the yard fighting and nobody had a baseball bat and somebody had a golf club and she was convinced that nobody was going to die or maybe somebody was going to die. And then she was confused by her own language. So she decided to run and get help. And she ran to the neighbor and she said, Hey, I need help. Nobody's going to kill somebody and somebody might kill nobody and I don't know what to do. And the neighbor said, well, who are you? I'm crazy. The neighbor said, I know that. Who are you? We name somebody, right? We name people based on our experience of them, based on things. A lot of people wait till they know a dog's personality to name the dog. We name children according to personality. Maybe after somebody, but always it's because we like the name we hope. Sometimes people get a first name that they hate, right? But they get lucky and their parents call them the middle name. But we celebrate that. And one of the things we don't ever want to do is call somebody a nobody. In kind of a personal, personal moment, um, and I hope it doesn't choke me up, but I just want to acknowledge that Veda Coker taught me the power of words in English literature class in 12th grade. 
Maybe 11th grade. I'm not good with that. I remember going through a poem and we were supposed to talk about what it meant and mine was different than other people's in the class. And she said there's no one way to interpret a word. That words have different power for different people. And she taught me that words matter. And what I would look at this and say is that words matter and something happened in this woman's life and the community decided that she was nobody. That she wasn't worth being around and she was ostracized and she was embarrassed and ashamed. She wouldn't come to the well in the morning when everybody else came. She came in the middle of the day to avoid people. How sad is that? And I don't think that that's just because of what she had done. I think that's because of how the people there had treated her. People who called on the name of God, who worshipped God at Mount Gerizim. She's not an irreligious person. She knows her stuff. She's a good theologian. And she wants to have a theological discussion with this rabbi who comes to her. And Jesus starts breaking barriers. First of all, he talks to a woman. That's not okay in his day. Did you notice that the disciples came up and were amazed that he was talking to a woman? In broad daylight? What are you doing, Jesus? And Jesus' answer would have been teaching her that she's not a nobody. Showing her mercy. How often and how harsh it is that our society allows people to fade off and be nobody. We talk about them in ways that won't offend ourselves. Oh, they slipped through the crack. Well, church, if people are slipping through the crack, I vote we plug the crack up. How is it that the people of God could be so comfortable with people feeling like they're nobody? Like their life doesn't matter. When obviously our Lord believed this woman's life mattered. For all we know, she was barren and after every husband found that out, they put her away. Maybe she chewed too loudly. Did you know that most people's, the most common pet peeve is listening to people chew? I didn't know that. Apparently it caused people to become murderous. Some people can't stand to listen to another human being chew. Maybe she chewed loudly. Maybe she snored. We don't know that whatever became of her was because of poor choices we, she made. But we do know this. She knows that Jesus is sympathetic to her problem because her witness to the other people is come and meet a man who told me everything I had ever done. And what we don't get there, what we don't get from that expression when we read it, is that he didn't treat me like a nobody. He talked to me. He knew my problems. He knew all that stuff that y'all won't talk to me over, and he talked to me anyway. Why don't you come talk to him? Come see him. This was so significant to her that somebody looked at her and said, you're not nobody, you're somebody. That she had to go and tell other people. Dear ones, in this story, the mercy of our God is on vibrant display for us. And if you've been made to feel like a nobody in your home, 
in your school, in your workplace, God forbid it, in your church, in your community, in your neighborhood, wherever you've been, if you've been made to feel like a nobody, then know this to the sovereign God of the universe, you are a child. A child with a specific name. I have called you by name and I love you, he says. And this story is proof to us that he will come to us in those places that we feel most like nobody in those places that we feel most ostracized, in those places that we feel most alone, and He will come to us and say, I have relief for you. I have a nice tall drink of life for you. The mercy of our God. And I say, dear ones, thanks be to God. Amen.